Well, as Steve mentioned at the beginning of our service, this week we are entering into a new worship series that we're calling Love Your Neighbor, where we're taking a look at how Scripture invites us to love all of our neighbors, not just the neighbors that we consider our friends or the folks that we enjoy hanging out with and spending time with, but the neighbors who might not think the same ways that we think, might not vote the same ways that we vote, the neighbors who might choose to spend their time in ways that we wouldn't choose to spend our time, the ones we might not enjoy interacting with. How might God be challenging us this morning to extend our witness of love beyond our comfort zones. As we ponder this question together this morning, we turn to Paul's letter to the Romans as he issued a similar challenge to the Jewish Christians living in that community. Listen now to these words from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another." My friends, this is the word of God given to each of us as the children of God, and we all say, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? God of love, it is you who have loved us first so that we in turn might love one another. In these moments, Lord Jesus, teach us what it means to love like you do. Open our hearts in our minds, in our ears, to all that you have to share with us this morning. It's in your son's holy name that we pray. Amen. When Paul pens this letter to the Romans, it was just after an important moment in Jewish Roman history. About 10 years prior to Paul writing this letter, the Roman emperor at the time, Emperor Claudius, expels most of the Jewish community from Rome over a debate about who Christ was. And during that time of exile, the Christian community that was left in Rome became predominantly Gentile, infusing that community with a different cultural flavor, with different beliefs and practices, and languages that informed worship there. And the way that the Jewish community historically had participated in worship changed. 
It looked different. So when Claudius died and the band was lifted, the Jewish Christians returned to find a very different church community than the one that they had left. I could imagine that they went into the worship spaces that they once knew so well to participate in worship once again, sitting at the back and witnessing something totally different, something a little shocking, something that they didn't identify with. I can imagine some of them sitting in the back with their arms crossed, leaning back, and whispering to one another, is that prayer? Is that what they're doing? That doesn't sound like prayer. What Bible are they reading from? Jesus didn't say that. Who's standing up there? You can imagine that they were shocked and didn't feel quite as home. So amid all the bickering that you could imagine came from that experience about who was right and who was wrong, which Christian community was the true Christian community, which way is the right way to worship, Paul sent them this letter where he did not choose either side, but instead pointed them to a singular gospel truth, honored both perspectives, and called them one body, one distinct community together. Paul called them neighbors. When we take a moment to peer into the context in which Paul was writing, it's hard not to see the parallels of what life is like for us in our present day context, right here in Gainesville, right here in this country. While we may not know what it is like to return from a place or return to a place after being in exile for years, we do know what it's like to live in a world full of polarities, full of us versus them situations, a world where divides are great and common areas are small. For me, it's evident here in Gainesville, as I've just moved here just a few months ago, as a Gator fan, traversing out on a Gator game day on Saturdays and seeing so many people in blue and orange and very few people in the other colors. And yet, we are all gathered in one stadium across town together, cheering or booing in an us-versus-them competition of who's better at football. And I've learned that, heaven help you, if you traverse out into the city of Gainesville on a game day and are not wearing your orange and blue. We laugh. (laughs) We laugh, but this reality pervades most of our everyday lives as we seek to live in community with one another. There are a vast majority of differences. There are Republicans and Democrats, folks who are experiencing poverty pitted against a system designed to disproportionately benefit those with greater resources. 
denominations and churches, much like our own, are in a battle torn apart over who should be included and who is excluded. And the list goes on and on and on. And yet, here we are in this community together. We are all neighbors. And as Christians seeking to live our lives modeled after Christ's example in today's context, the biblical narrative and witness is clear in its invitation for us to regard our neighbors not with malice, not with hatred, not with indifference. Instead, time and time again, the Bible calls us to love to love all of our neighbors, but especially the ones who are most different from us. But if you're like me, you find this to be not an easy task. In fact, the invitation to love our neighbors, all of our neighbors, is a difficult one. But it is at the core of who we are as Christians And if that's right, if that's so, then I believe that love was at the basis of what Paul was trying to portray to the community of Christians in Rome. And that's true of us today, that loving one another, loving all of our neighbors is what God is challenging us to do this morning, to do as we begin this sermon series, and to continue doing for many, many weeks, days, months, years to come. Through the words of Paul, God is saying to us this morning, you are all one body, all of you. Love your neighbors. But how on earth does Paul suggest us to do this? How are we to love those neighbors that we really cannot stand to be in the same room with more than five seconds? How does Paul invite us to live our lives differently, to love our neighbors who are different from us? In this letter to the Romans, at the very beginning, Paul uses a peculiar phrase. He says this phrase, a living sacrifice saying that the best way to live, move, and to have our being in community with one another, in fact, the highest form of worship is to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. But to see how this self-offering impacts our relationships within our community and the body of believers, I believe we need to understand it through the life of Christ first. Just as Paul does in Paul's letter to the Philippians uh, later in the Bible, in Philippians chapter 2, he's writing... And he says this, Let the same mind be in you as was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, 
assuming human likeness and being found in appearance as a human. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ emptied himself, humbled himself to the point of death, the worst possible death known in history. And for Paul, that self-giving act, that act of humility, was none other than an incomprehensible, self-sacrificial act of love. So for Paul, any act of love, the greatest act of love, started with humility, Christ's humility. So for us this morning, I believe that is the challenge for us, that any act of love starts with humility. It starts with a humble self-offering of all that we are, relinquishing what once was so that we might take on the mind of Christ, who is our ultimate model of a love grounded in humility first. But if you're like me, So often I tell myself that in order to have humility and in order to live self-sacrificially, I also have to bring myself so low that I no longer matter. And that has been my struggle most of my Christian life is Christ asking me to bring myself so low that I no longer matter. Author C.S. Lewis wrote this in his book, Mere Christianity. He said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Rather, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of the person that God created you to be, beautifully and wonderfully made. Rather, it's thinking about yourself less often so that you might create some space for the voices and the experiences of those around us. You see, humility is not about losing ourselves, but it's about being transformed by the stories and the experiences we gain from others. Interacting with a world from a place of humility allows us to see and hear the ways that our neighbors need and long to the experience the love that God calls us to give. I think that is why Paul advised the Romans to let the renewing of their minds be transformative so that they would never pride themselves on being better than they really were. By taking on that humility, the Romans would be able to listen and to interact with one another in a way that would bind them together and move them forward toward unity rather than division, understanding rather than resistance, love rather 
than hate. But friends, it all starts with humility. It all starts with emptying ourselves enough to make space for the experience and the needs of others. In just my few short months here, I've already seen this church community overflowing with humility and service to others. Just this past week, in the span of three days, we as a church family purchased and packed 200 flood buckets to send to Southwest Florida. Friends, this is something that usually is done over the span of several weeks, not three days. It took the collaborative effort of so many people from staff members to you, the congregation, and coming together and offering your time that probably could have been used doing other things that needed to be done. But rather, you offered yourself as a living sacrifice. You offered yourself in humility so that you could be a part of it, putting God's love into action in a tangible way, right here and right now. This week, we as a community truly loved our neighbors. And so this is not new to you. You are already living this out. But this call to love our neighbors is not a one-time thing. It doesn't happen just as a natural disaster occurs. It is something that goes on and on, and it's an invitation that God calls us to each and every day. It's a growing response to our faith and something that needs to be practiced and cultivated over time. So that's what we're going to do together over the next several weeks, as together we are invited into this practice, this cultivating time of pouring ourselves out for others. for humbling ourselves and pouring God's love out into all of our town. So we have several ways for you to do that. Steve, at the beginning of the service, pointed to the sign right here, and there are other magnets. Those are just a couple of ways that you could start spreading love. But I challenge you to take it a step further to find new ways to be active in this community, to reach out to, in ways that you never thought to reach out before. For my family, as we are continuing to learn this area, we are actively seeking out ways to be in service as a family. So we can start teaching our children who are three and six months that God calls us to be about the work of love. So I invite you to do the same, however that looks like for you. If you need some ideas, please give us a call here at the church uh, and stay tuned because we have lots of ideas of ways to be about the work of loving our neighbors, to pouring ourselves out so that we might be filled with the experiences of others. So let's get to work, my friends. Let's offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice in a new way over these next several days. And may our humility in service build bridges of love all across our town.
in a time that so desperately needs it. Will you pray with me? Holy God, may you teach us what it means to be humble. Humble in the way that Christ humbled Christ's self. Show us what it means to pour our love out over all people, not just the ones that we find joy in gathering with. God, stretch us in ways that we can't imagine so that we might be more and more like you. Amen.